don't know, man. Those bird camps up at the cabin, they're hard to beat. Seeing good dogs work in the field, shooting, killing birds, sitting by the fire. Um, obviously, was a little too young to drink, so got to watch a lot of drinking after the hunts. So, um, what about you, man? What's your biggest takeaway growing up in the outdoors? Uh, the biggest thing for me was uh, really just being out there, honestly. I mean, it started when I was really young. I mean, I've had a bow in my hand since I was probably 10 or 12. I'm Hunter Jordan. I'm Colin Blaylock. And welcome to the Great Lakes Experience. Today's episode is brought to you by Shifty's Classic Seasoning. We're one episode deep, and we already got a sponsor, baby. This podcast is going to be all about the outdoors in the Great Lakes region. Um, Me and Colin are going to talk a little bit about some of our experiences. We're going to hope to have some guests on here and just talk about everything hunting, fishing, trapping, or outdoors related. Uh, But first, Colin, how was the bite today? It was good. A little chilly. Um, Still managed to ice some fish. Um... It was tough. Couldn't feel the hands, but you know what? Finally got ice in Michigan, so we're all happy. We're going to get out as much as we can. Keep icing them. Our buddy cleaned house this morning. I I did not. I was 10 short of the limit today on Super Secret Lake. Uh, Colin, it, Colin busted out all 25, though. What can I say? He's an ice hammer. Lucky hole. Absolutely the lucky hole. <laughs> If it wasn't for those crappie, I would have been right there with you. Oh, but I usually do pretty good out on that lake, too. That's what I don't understand. Just a tough day. Yeah, I mean, we were icing quite a bit compared to everybody. It's been tough. A lot of pressure out there. Probably the most There was so many dudes out there. It's like a city, seven days a week. It's so bad. I've been fishing it for 15 years, and I've never seen it like it has been this year. It's pretty nuts. So let's get into it. Um, first of all, let's Colin. How did you talk about you growing up a little bit? How'd you how'd you end up being the outdoorsman that you are today? Um, definitely came down to a lot of bird and deer camps up north. Got shit on a bunch for my shooting. Luckily, that's got maybe a little worse, maybe a little better. Still haven't found that one out. It's probably why I'm taking pictures now. But, um, I don't know, man, those bird camps up at the cabin, they're hard to beat. Seeing good dogs work in the field, shooting, killing birds, sitting by the fire. Um, obviously was a little too young to drink, so got to watch a lot of drinking after the hunts. So, um, what about you, man? What's your biggest takeaway growing up in the outdoors? Uh, the biggest thing for me was, uh, really just being out there honestly I mean it started when I was really young I mean I've had a bow in my hand since I was probably 10 or 12 and uh growing up I was always big deer hunter and then I uh I got into trapping around seventh or eighth grade I think and then that sparked a whole new wormhole I guess of uh like the outdoors for me um started trying to catch raccoons and stuff like that just trying to started out doing it for fun and then 
after I got into it, I realized that you could make some serious money on that. Good Not money, I, and then it kind of picks up the time we have in between hunting and ice fishing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And it was nice because, I mean, I paid for so much stuff in high school. I mean, once I got into it, I was I was king in high school with all the older kids. They were like, I remember this first year I had my first hundred year or hundred muskrat year I was talking to one of the one of the upperclassmen in my high school and he was like how many how many muskrats you got this year and I was like ah, I'm up to 88 right now and he said 88 he's like I've got 20 this year so far and uh it's this thing I've got like once I get into something I like I dive into it head first and just as you should absorb as much information as I possibly can and it it really helps just develop your knowledge on all that kind of stuff. I don't trap as much as anymore just because moving over here to the west side, I, uh, I mean, we live in the city. I got school going on here. It's not, I don't have all the plus space to store all that stuff. It's plus a lot. The time, you kind of got to pick and choose what you're really going to really Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you do a bit of trapping too, don't you? Yeah, it started off with beaver because we were always duck hunting out behind the house and obviously they were all over cutting down trees, making dams, and then we're kind of like, hey, let's trap them. So we kind of dove into that that way, running big conibears, some drown sets, stuff like that. And then I remember catching our first like 50 plus pound beaver and we're like, holy shit, thing's huge. This is <laughs> badass. So then we kind of dove in further, running dog proofs for coons running some colony traps or uh, muskrats, catching a few mink. It's just fun. I mean, plenty of time to kill between hunting season, ice fishing. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, probably the best part about it. It gives you another thing to do in between. Because there's always that lull of, like, it's too warm to, like, it's too warm to deer hunt, but the duck hunting's not good yet, and there's no ice. There's, there's like, the fishing's slowing down because it's the end of fall, but it's, like, it just adds, it's like in the perfect spot, I guess and you could say. Let's be honest, it's kind of perfect for scouting, whether you're duck hunting, deer hunting. Oh, 100%. Game. You're always in the woods, you're seeing stuff. I there's mean, so much other, like, there's so much other sign you could find, like, while you're looking out there. Like, this is like, you could be looking, that's like a three-in-one job. Oh, 100%. And it's just, I've never thought about it like that, but it really is. Yeah, you get to see everything. And then, I mean, you really get to break down a piece of woods. Because if you're hunting it, you look at it from a hunting aspect. And then you look at it from a trapping aspect. So you notice a lot of stuff from a trapping aspect. You're like, hey, that could work in deer hunting. Or that could work in duck hunting. Yeah. Especially being a duck hunter, seeing all these beaver dams, seeing the floodings. Money. Woodies love it. Flooded timber equals good. May pop a couple pairs of waders in the, during the season. Hey, but that's happens. That's why hey. you buy cheap waders. Nope. <laughs> Not no. happening. Been there, done that. Not fun. Not anymore. Because when your crotch is freezing, when it's 30 degrees and you're staying in the water for eight hours, <laughs> no. So when, did you, so when did you start duck hunting? Like, how old were you when you started duck hunting? This... Seems kind of like a bullshit story, but I remember it clear as day. It was raining, liking to sleep in when I was a little bit younger. Dad was like, come on, let's go. We can just go jump shoot the creek. I'm like, all right, let's do it. 
So we got this creek behind our house. We walk out there. I'm carrying my little 1187 20 gauge semi, not even ready. We get up to the creek. He's like, you better be ready. I'm thinking there's not going to be anything out here. So we walk up and all of a sudden we just bump a bunch of mallards. I'm like kind of caught in shock, but I still shoulder my shotgun and I squeeze the trigger and sure as shit, I shoot two in one shot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's so nuts. It happened. Did we find both? Sadly, no. But looking back at it now, it kind of shows the appreciation for dogs. That's why I never don't hunt with dogs anymore. I always have my two labs with me when I'm going. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. I never got to do... So growing up on the east side, I grew up in a small town called North Branch. Um, over, It's in the thumb of Michigan, like right smack dab in the middle. There's not a lot of water over there, so there's not as many ducks to hunt. I mean, yeah, you'll have some come into the fields, but our big thing over there was goose hunting. So we... You do kind of come from, like, the waterfowl-rich, like, in heritage. Yeah. You and look at, the, like, St. Clair, Saginaw Bay, just yeah, the that's whole the, east side. The craziest thing is, is, like, I never real. I mean, I mean, I've shot, I could probably count on one hand how many ducks I've shot, just because that's never, never what we targeted. I mean, we put floater decoys in the cornfield. <laughs> oh, been there, done that. They get absolutely just damaged with mud but yeah little power washing like, the thing was is like we had no clue what we were doing we just wanted goose hunt we thought it was fun so we bought a couple dozen of those giant jumbo shell decoys and a couple sheets of burlap and we just laid out in the field and then it's kind of crazy there's like the sciences behind that setting your decoys up to for them to come into the wind and they'll land into the wind and all that stuff it, we, we learned so much doing that we got pretty good at it too it was it was fun doing that. Yeah, you really got to learn how to read birds. I mean, oh, that was the biggest thing too. Is like, I was uh, I uh, I wasn't a very good goose caller when I was a kid, and I always wanted to call so bad. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times my dad, my parents <laughs> just told me, "Yo, you need to shut up with the goose call." I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Only one way to get better. I was I I had a mad obsession with and goose hunting when I was a kid. I actually obtained the nickname Goose Boy in middle school. Fun fact about me. <laughs> right there with you. My Instagram handle in middle school was DuckHunterA5. <laughs> Looking back on it, super cringy, but we go through the phases. I entered in a middle school talent show. I, uh, I used to be able to do a goose call with no goose call. That's pretty impressive. I it was, it, it was, it was interesting. There's a lot of, there's a lot of. If you ask all the kids I was in like, fifth, sixth grade through eighth grade, if you ask them about it, they'll be like, oh, it just, it, it would unlock a memory in the back of their minds they forgot they had. Walking to the stage for graduation, Hunter Jordan, the goose guy, <laughs> the, the goose guy. Oh. So did you hunt with anybody cool growing up in the goose fields? Not really. We were just a bunch of we were just a bunch of rednecks sitting in the field shooting birds, dude. I mean, we kind of all started off like that. I was I I got super into watching. I mean, you you've watched like uh, RNTV and all that stuff. I got into it, but um, I never really like. 
I mean, that was too before social media was very big, so there was nobody like. There was no waterfowl influencers, I guess you could say. Well, that, and I mean, we didn't, I guess, I never really thought of Instagram or Facebook as something yeah, of yeah. a way to build up connections in like the waterfowl community or the outdoor community at all. Yeah. I, I remember. Uh, there's this big show in the town just south of me. Uh, it was called the Woods and Waters Outdoor Expo. And uh, my dad bought this goose call from these two dudes. I wish I could remember their names because they, they made their goose calls out of, like, they put them on the lathe and they made them out of, like, compressed wood and acrylic and all the jazz. And uh, they gave us a CD when we bought it. And it was them teaching how to blow goose call, the different calls, Comeback calls, hail calls, feed calls, like everything like that. And I, I I, listened to that thing on repeat in the truck countless times. I couldn't tell I couldn't tell you how many times. My mom, I feel so bad. I put my mom through hell listening oh. to that. Everywhere we went, I had that thing on repeat. Same. I remember my first UP trip. And I mean, I'm like 17 years old, so not very young. And I just remember annoying my brother on the whole seven-hour car ride up because I'm so jittery to get up there and hunt. Can't stop blowing my calls, talking about spreads and shit. And he's, dude, like, just chill out. Like, think about this when you get up there. Yeah. I go to bed thinking about that, and I wake up thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. And I still do it. I mean, over the summer, driving to work, no matter what I was doing, I was listening to Scott Trinan's 30 Weeks to Better to Goose Call. I mean... Am I a bad goose caller? Not really, but Hell everybody no, can I've work on it. Call. <laughs> I've heard you blow a goose call. But. Yeah, that was, that's, that's what's funny is like, because I mean, I've just started kind of getting back into it, like in the last, what, couple months? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, I mean, I'm not terrible on a duck call, which makes zero sense because, like I said, we never targeted ducks. And, uh, I don't know, I just feel like the duck call is so much easier to blow than a goose call. Yeah, I could. I'd have to agree with that. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to get good at. Yeah, there's not. I mean, there's a lot of notes you can do on a duck call, like a, like the bouncing hen. Yeah. Just the different sounds you can make out of it, but a goose call. I mean, there's so much that goes into it, Um, and just the hardest. The hardest part for me is like knowing when to use that stuff in the field. Well, at the end. Because it's like because it's like you know it, you know it. Until you see those birds flying in the air, and then it's just, like, erased from your mind. Oh, yeah. I mean, you kind <laughs> you of get I mean? caught in shock, but you could be the best goose caller in the world. And, I mean, every goose caller I think of, when I say best goose caller in the world, they know how to kill geese, so it doesn't really work. But you could be a mediocre caller and be able to read a goose or a duck. And oh, if yeah. you can read them and know when to call, you're going to kill more birds than somebody that doesn't know how to read a duck or goose. Yeah, knows how to call. Know That's just what read, it comes down to. Know, know how to read your birds. It's, I mean, it's like my buddy that runs his guide service out in Nebraska. He can blow a call, but damn, that guy can read a bird. I mean, it's like reading, I mean, it's like reading a book for him. That's he can so probably crazy. read a bird better than I can read a book. <laughs> I mean, that's not saying much for me reading a book, but the guy is insane. Yeah, that's like, and I mean, that goes as, like, reading birds goes to show with even, like, or reading any wild game. Like, you wouldn't take a shot on a whitetail if it's, like, 
on high alert. Like oh, it's it's a, it's the same thing. It's you you like you have to know knowing how to read animals while you're hunting them is the most important part of the entire game, I think. Uh, 100%. And I think that's what like a lot of people that don't share this passion and obsession don't really understand that. Oh, that's uh, yeah, 100% agree. Everybody thinks hunting's easy. Same with fishing, too. That's like when I tell people, it's like, uh, I've been, I mean, I just started bass fishing three years ago. Before, before I worked, I started working at, before I started working at DNR, bass fishing was a Texas rig Gary Yamamoto Senko. On, on straight braid. On straight braid. No on leader. straight braid. Suffix 832. <laughs> so I would throw that and I would catch like three pounders and I thought I was the man. And then I'll never forget the day I walked into DNR. Uh, my mind was blown. Oh, just, I, I, I mean, walked in the door and I saw that entire aisle of just Zoom and I said, no way. That's Damn, I thought the only color was green pumpkin. <laughs> Literally, yeah. 8.32. I, I used to walk docks at my grandma's house across the street, and I'd use a circle hook and literally thread on a Zoom centipede in cotton candy color. They don't even make it anymore. And looking back on it, I don't know if it was just me telling myself I caught that many fish, but the amount of fish I caught was stupid. Like, I had no clue oh, what I was yeah. doing, and it just worked. And then it's like... So, like, like he, there's so much to it. There, I, I never could have imagined how many different... So, like, I joined, I joined the bass fishing team at Western, and I'll never forget, they gave me a piece of paper, and they said, what's your, what's your favorite type of presentation? And I said, I don't even know what that means. I was like, what do you mean, like, presentation? Like, Skip and Sankos, buddy. <laughs> what else is there? It blew my mind how much there is to catch a stupid green bass. That's what I used to call them, stupid green bass. It used to be bluegills, crappies, and perch. That's oh. all I used to catch. I still get fired up about those three. <laughs> oh, but, I mean, of course. Looking at bass fishing, it's so we've made it so complicated. But at the end of the day, simple techniques still work. Oh, yeah, they win all the time. I mean, look at Casey I mean, Allen that we work with. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, he's he 40 years old. Smacks him on a wacky rig. I remember fishing on Gull Lake with him. It was blowing like 20 miles per hour. We're sitting in 25 foot of water. <laughs> weightless Senko. In weightless Senko. And I'm sitting there. <laughs> I can barely feel my drop shot on three eighths. And I'm like, damn, this wind sucks. This is a bitch. He's just sitting up there. I mean, I think he probably made 30 casts the whole day because he was fishing so slow. Yeah. But he caught them. And I'm like... Oh, yeah, exactly. That's like me and... Uh, so me and Nick fished a weeknighter. And uh, and uh, we were flipping grass, throwing chatterbaits, throwing all sorts of stuff. And we got beat by two kids who were soaking wacky rig Sankos all night. They sat in one spot and just kept casting. They had like 15 pounds in July... I mean, that's the time to skip docks, though. Yeah, they find it, it, those long ones with a bunch of shade, and people. I mean, you get those lake houses where yeah, it's that's, all Illinois, Ohio, Indiana people, and they're not up there until the weekend. So if you're fishing a weeknight, <laughs> these docks haven't been touched. Yeah, I mean, if you fish them on the weekends, 
you ring the dinner bell by hitting the pontoon with the weight Lysenko, you're going to get your ass chewed. Oh, yeah. But it holds fish, especially around here. With how shallow the lakes are, oh, you yeah. can find some very, very solid fish underneath them. Yeah. Summer fishing can be tough here. That's what I've, I've realized. And, like, I've, I still have... I learn something still every time I go out. Oh, yeah. That's what's crazy to me. It's like you wouldn't think, like, I'm super, super fortunate to have, like, joined the team and gone to fish all these places, like, Florida and Tennessee and, like, I, like, if you would have told me I would have been, like, a tournament fisherman three years ago, I would have said, yeah, right, you're nuts. I said, I remember there was a couple, couple of my buddies at the store, like, Ryan was one of them. And uh, they said, oh, we're, we're going to get you tournament fishing. And I said, hell no. Because that sounds terrible. I never want to do that. Now I'm on the college fishing team going to Florida, Tennessee. I've got a trip to Texas next month. Like, what? That's so nuts to me. Open a lot of doors. But we have the ability to get so much knowledge from the people we know from work. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, we are exposed like- to some of the best anglers in the whole state of Michigan. Oh, the whole world. Yeah, I mean, we literally see the best fishermen of all time on a daily basis. Name drop Kevin Van Dam. Um, That was like, so like when I started at the store, like I knew who Kevin was and all that stuff. And uh, I'll never forget, Randy Randy called me after I dropped my application off. And he was like, like, hey, this is Randy Van Dam. And he's like, I'm sorry I missed you dropping off your app. Like I I really wanted to meet you and talk to you. And uh, I was sitting there listening to him talk and I was like, why does Randy Van Dam sound so familiar? And I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't process it. And then the first week I started working there, Kevin's book was there. Like, The Secrets of the Champion book or whatever I was looking at. I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, this is this is the holy grail of fishing. I work at, like, the most insane place on the planet. Oh, yeah. That's so nuts. And it's, it's so crazy. It's like, it's like, I mean, me and Ryan, so, like, I fish with Ryan. Me and Ryan will talk to Johnny or talk to Kevin. I mean, Kevin's son, Nick, is one of my best friends of all time. Oh, yeah. And he's an absolute goon, but he kills <laughs> the fish. Dude, it, yeah. Uh, one of the most fun times I had was throwing jerk baits on Gull Lake in the summertime with Nick. And we fished, like, we fished a weeknight and we placed, like, fourth place or something. And it was just nuts. Like, those dudes know how to catch fish. Well, think about how much knowledge that kid has. I mean, his oh, dad's yeah. seen it all. His dad has invented baits, but he's seen the progression of bass fishing over the last yeah, 20, 30 years. Yeah, and it's, it's just so crazy to me how how big that industry... I never realized how big that industry was, or is, and is getting. It's getting bigger. Oh, yeah. Especially, especially when you look at it from, like, the college fishing standpoint. College fishing is going nuts right now. It's like there's more. I see more and more schools popping up with. I wish my high school would have had a bass fishing team. I oh yeah, my high school is pushing for bass team now, and I mean yeah, that was never talked about. Yeah, exactly. I was I, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which kind of I mean sucks for us. But Chaps your ass time, a little, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> but I'm still happy that it's happening. Oh yeah. I mean, how could you not be? Yeah, hundred percent. It's like I, yeah, tournament fishing to me before I moved here and started working at the store, was nothing i mean i knew it was there but like i mean you knew like you only knew names like bill dance kevin van dam roland martin oh, that's yeah. it that's the only three names i knew in fishing oh yeah but just because you see him on tv you know what i'm saying well i thought i mean i thought even the weeknighters were professionals out there killing them oh yeah 
Shit, I thought my cousin was a professional. <laughs> I used to think everybody was a damn professional because they were better than me. Yeah, and the, the craziest part to me is, like, the people that, like, the people that don't make it to, like, that next level. Like, you, like, when you, like, you, like, you know, like, you meet, like, the secret hidden gems in Kalamazoo. Oh, yeah. Like, the Gritters, Justin Moore, Neil Vandebeesen. And then you talk to people and they're all like, those dudes were so good. Oh, my goodness. I've, I've heard multiple people say that that Neil Vandebeesen is as good as Kevin. But he just, he just didn't make it to that next level. Like, that's so crazy to me that, like, and some people the day, get the opportunity, some people don't. Yeah, and that's how life goes. Yeah, I mean, that's what's so crazy to me. It doesn't ruin their love for the sport. I mean, oh, yeah, exactly. Luke Ritter made it to the leads. I thought it was badass. Kid from Kalamazoo area. Yeah, and that's what's, that's what, that's the craziest part is that somebody from such a small, small town can be a world superstar, like Kevin. Or Johnny. I mean, yeah, the fact yeah. that we've had this many just in Kalamazoo that oh, we yeah. know personally yeah, exactly. is pretty sweet. Um, that's like, I, I actually just ran into a guy from, at the store from my hometown the other day. And he was, he was talking to me. He's like, I see you doing all this fishing and stuff. He's like, dude, that's so cool. He's like, everybody back home thinks that's so nuts that you came from that town. And they're like, you're like going on these tournaments and stuff. And I was like, I was like, dude, like, I'm not even that good. <laughs> well, you think about that. If you would never have talked to that guy, you would have never thought people even knew you bass fished. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it doesn't seem like a big deal to you because you're doing it, but... Yeah. I mean, it's, there's probably little kids at your school that are like, hey, this kid's from here and he's bass fishing for Western. I did. I was, so I, was, I, was, I was back home and uh, I was back home and one of my really good friends from high school, her little brother, I ran into him at the gas station. He's like, dude. I was like, what's up? He's like, you've got the life. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're catching all these monster bass. You're fishing these tournaments. He's like, that looks so sweet. And I was like, it is kind of sweet because I never thought I'd be fishing in all these different places. The first time, the first time I've ever been to Florida, I was fishing a tournament. <laughs> I've never seen the ocean. The first trip to Florida was to an inland lake. <laughs> Which is kind of messed up. I've never been to the ocean in Florida. So <laughs> many good opportunities for fishing, but it happens. But, I mean, hearing like a kid tell you that, especially one that oh, you've it made my influenced, day. It, it makes you feel it like... It made my... And then he started asking, he's like, where, he's like, do you know where, like, a little kid's fish around here? I was like, yes, I do. Yeah. I was like, I wish I would have known, like, when I was your age. Or even if you're meeting people and they're like, oh, dude, I've seen you on social media. Like, yeah. you catch bass. And that's or, what's that's what's crazy is, like, over here, and I think it's probably because we have, like, guys like Johnny and Kevin and stuff like that, but, like, over here, bass fishing is way, way, way bigger than it is at home. Nobody knows about tournament fishing back where I'm from. Nobody. So, like, our team, the team went to that Woods and Water show that I was talking about earlier and to do, like, front fundraising. So, like, we had our jerseys on and some plaques and stuff that we'd won. And everybody's like, what do you guys do? And we're like, oh, we tournament fish. And they're like, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah. And that's the thing is, like, it's not, like, it's not an exposure over there like it is here. And I, I don't, I mean, I don't really know if it's like what what the reason there i there's not as many lakes to fish over there but having those lakes less pressured probably makes better fishing for some of the lakes because some around here yeah that's true get very beat up and it makes the fishing super tough yeah that's true i mean it makes you a better angler in sense but it kind of sucks because 
it really just rubs you the wrong way when you can can't go out and just nail them. Oh yeah, for sure. But I mean, like, so the thing I like talk about, like, why I love it over here so much is like I like fishing now and stuff like that. Like, but like, you can drive fifteen minutes any direction from where we're sitting right now, and you are on a body of water. That has potential to have a very good day. Oh yeah, exactly. Back home, it's the closest like body of water to me to catch smallmouth is the Flint River. <laughs> Rough. Yeah, and it, it and it's not like there's no boat launches on it. It's not like a it's like a small section of the Flint. It's like a you need a raft or you need a kayak or a canoe. Yeah. And I mean, me and my dad would go. We'd put our canoe in and we'd paddle upstream and float back down and just cast Mister Twisters. Catch walleye, pike, smallmouth. Do it all. Yeah. But, I mean, around here, you can... I mean, we got rivers, we got creeks. I mean, the trout fishery around here is pretty damn good. The bass fishing is good. But you can do all this in a weekend. Like, oh, if you go to yeah. a lake one morning, and you're like, oh, well, it's kind of dog shit this morning. You can easily pick up and go to a new lake and be in the water within 40 yeah. minutes. Th- that's the craziest part to me is there's so much over here. It's in terms of fishing. You want to go catch largemouth? Go throw some frogs at Duck Lake. You want to go catch smallmouth? Go hit the Kalamazoo River. Yeah. You want to go catch steelhead? Go hit the St. Joe. Or the zoo. I mean, there's just yeah. so much. It's like nuts. And then you can go, you can drive 45 minutes and get on what pretty much is our ocean, Lake Michigan, and oh, the fishing out there. Kings, I mean, co-hos. next level. Giant lake browns. You name nuts. it. Yeah. You have it. I mean, muskie, pike, sturgeon. Yeah. Perch, walleye. Dude. I mean, just absolute football-sized smallies. Yeah. You can even bowfish the rocks, the pier. I mean. Yeah. Opportunities are endless. Yeah. And that was a big thing, like, moving over here. Uh, I'll never forget. Uh, I It was, like, my first day at the store, cruising a... Cruising asked me, uh, he said, uh, fly fish at all? I said, ah, I've tried before, and it was like Glacier. Like, we just took a family trip. I had a fly rod. My dad bought me. I didn't know what I was doing. I could barely cast. I don't know. I, saying I could cast was even a stretch. <laughs> I just wanted to fly fish in Glacier. I wanted to catch a trout. And, uh, that kind of sparked a, that's a whole nother wormhole I went down to is fly fishing now I that I would say that takes up the majority of my my interest is fly fishing now well there's so much that goes I mean just like anything there's a lot to go into it but just the fly tying aspect which I know you dive dove into I can't tie a fly to save my life (laughs) fingers not not a chance (laughs) trying to tie those ice flies the other day I was like pretty sure I ended up drinking more beer than I did tying flies sometimes that happens Yep, it definitely happened. And that's like, so like I, I wanted to fly fish. So I said, hey, I was like cruising there. I was like, teach me how to fly fish. And he said, no, I don't teach people to fly fish. <laughs> I said, okay. So then I started, and he helped me. He gave me a bunch of pointers and stuff like that. And uh, I first started getting into it when Michigan closed during the pandemic. And I was like, well, now what do I do? I casted my fly rod in my front yard. Every single day. And I would watch videos and, like, you, I would YouTube everything. Like, what am I doing wrong? And uh, 
Cruising isn't via Texas. It just said, wait on your broadcast. I said, what? I said, what does that mean? So I went, I, I threw my phone on the couch and I ran outside. And I'll be damned if it wasn't like my best cast I've had yet. So just wait on your broadcast. And he was 300 miles away. <laughs> and then after that, I just kept cast and cast and cast and cast and cast. And, cast. and then I'm like, no, I'm, I'm pretty decent. Like, and I would, I would go, bluegills, bluegills. That's all I did when I was, I was getting paid from the state. I didn't have to work. I bluegill fished for two weeks straight. <laughs> I just fly fishing for bluegill, and it was the most fun I've ever had. That pandemic, like having everything shut down, outdoors, Nuts. paradise. It oh was my awesome. goodness! Every, you had all the free time. Yeah, you had all the free time. The only thing is, is like everybody and their brothers outside now, which is good. I don't, I don't mind it totally, as long as they're like respectful. Yeah, you know what not I'm littering, not yeah. breaking the l- yeah, exactly. rules, having a license. But now I'm right there with you. I, I was working at Sports Warehouse at the time, and no one fly fished. And we sell not a lot. We didn't sell a lot of stuff. But we always had fly guys come in. I'm just like, I would bullshit out my ass. I was like, dude, I don't know. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I should pick this up during quarantine. So I started watching Wild Fly Productions. And I've always had a knack for photography. Never got into it. And then... So, got into fly fishing, had this old, old fly rod, and I started practicing the yard just like you did. I cannot tell you how many times I got stuck in the fucking power lines. I don't know how many times I did it, yet I just did not learn. I've been in the trees in the front yard, I've stuck flies in my back, oh man. And then, the opportunity presents itself to go to Idaho and fish the West Fork for flies. I was like, oh. I'm going all in. Like, I have to practice, practice, practice. And honestly, I mean, it opened the door for not only fly fishing, but photography. That's kind of when I was like, I need to get a camera and just document this whole damn thing because it's going to be sweet. Yeah. So, bought a camera, bought a couple fly rods, never went on the trip. Oh. Kind of sucks, but. But now look. You know I'm a photographer. You're a badass photographer. Yeah, medi- mediocre at best. No, no chance. But I remember the first time I went fly fishing. Like, seriously, like, didn't take any other rods, just a fly rod. And I was thinking the whole boat ride there, I definitely fucked up by not bringing <laughs> And we're in this little 14. It's my buddy Jay's 14-foot flat bottom. And I'm a big guy, and I'm up front. I was like, there's no way I'm casting. Like, I'm going to go swimming. And... We get to this little lake we're fishing, and we're crappie fishing. I'm like, crappie on the fly? What are you talking about? And I love crappie fishing, but it's jigs, beetle spins. Church's, and, church's tackle and yeah. Mr. Crappie grubs. I mean, I keep it simple, shooting docks and stuff. So I was like, you know what, let's do it. This seems sweet. So he gives me this little Clouser uh, minnow fly that he tied. I'm like, oh, this is kind of sweet. I guess it could work. And we just start ripping cast. I'm like, okay, I'm actually casting decently. I can get behind this. All of a sudden, boom, you just see this big slab crappie. And I'm going to shoot shallow water, crystal clear water, and just seeing them eat, insane. I was like, so glad I didn't bring a spinning rod. This is yeah. badass. It's it's so, it's such a different 
it's such a different feeling to catch a fish on a fly rod. Oh yeah. Just even like, like when you hear fly fishing, you think you immediately think trout. When it's so much more than that. Oh yeah. I hear more about trout fishing for carp the last six months. Yeah. Than I have trout. That is that is, nobody knows about that. The first time I heard about that, that's the store. A couple of guys working there were talking about. It. They're like, we'll have to take you carp fishing. I said, carp fishing. I shoot those fuckers. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> like I was like, carp fishing. Stinky, slimy, just carp fishing. Ugly bastards. So one of the guys, Sean, took me out, and uh, that was the most fun I've ever had fishing in my life. Catching carp on a fly rod is absolutely insane. If you haven't done it, go do it. It's our Try freshwater it. redfish. I mean, oh, that's exactly what it's like. It's yeah. like redfishing 2.0. Your cast have to be absolutely perfect. Oh my goodness. Those and things are so spooky. I know. I'm going to cuss like a sailor when I fish for them. That's just me. And I'm going <laughs> to get irritated. Because I know my casting is not going to be absolutely perfect. Like it no, needs when to be you fly fish for, When you fly fish for carp, that's the day your casting is the worst it's ever been. 100%. <laughs> oh. My casting will be the worst it's ever been the first time I go with you and Nate. 100%. You'll probably kick me off the raft. I'll be floating down the river no. trying to keep my camera out of the water. My casting gets pretty bad some days. It all, it all depends. It's a day-to-day thing. I don't know. When we There's went out, it was pretty good besides that one tree. That one tree got you like one, five times. That one tree had my number that day. Yeah. Yeah. That was a rough one. And then the, like the other thing I think is funny about like fly fishing in terms of like, so like you think fly fishing, you think trout. You think you immediately go to like dry flies. Trout only eat bugs. That's what I thought when I I started hanging out in the fly shop and getting acquainted with the the guys there. And then fall was rolling around, and I I wanted to I wanted to start catching trout. So cruising had sent me to this little creek down here, and he said, "So they're not gonna eat dry flies right now." So what do you mean? That's all they eat? And I had it in my head: just trout eat dry flies. So I, I kept throwing dry flies. I remember I caught one fish, and then the next time I caught two fish. And I was like, dude, I'm the man. <laughs> so then he, he shows me this he shows me this bug, and I'm like, ain't no trout going to eat that. It was like a three-inch, uh, I think it was called a rattlesnake. It's like a big streamer. And I said, trout don't eat that. He said, just, just throw it. Dude, I killed him. I caught like 15 fish that day. You didn't know what happened. Blew my mind the fact that those trout were eating that giant lure, and they were smashing it too. Oh, dude, they were so aggressive. They, I would, I would, I would say like pound for pound, like they are the hardest initial hitting fish there is. I watched one. We were fishing this creek this one time. I watched one chase my streamer all the way across the bank and pin it to the sand. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, it was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. I grew up trout fishing, like, this is the narrow-minded me growing up, like, I despise fly fishing, I'm like, get the fuck out of my river, let me cast my spinners, and looking back at it now, I'm like, but I'm such an Panther asshole, Martins. oh, I was, that's all I threw, Panther Martins, did a little worm dunking, but I mean, like, some of the rivers I grew up fishing up north at the cabin, you, I mean, there's not much you can cast, I mean, I was in the tree 90% of the time, and that's yeah. where I learned how to cast. But pound for pound, I would go out and catch 20 rainbow, and maybe they're 10 inches, but I would take that over any other thing. Oh, they... One, the nostalgia of just being on the river and no one around you. Yeah. I mean, it's the closest you're going to get to God's country. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's like, even just some of, like, the... 
it's so funny because all the best places I've done so good in like trout fishing are like right here in downtown Kalamazoo where you least expect it oh yeah and that's what's so nuts to me is like I didn't I didn't I thought to get trout you had to go up north to the Osable I used to think you could only trout fish in Michigan and like Wyoming, Idaho, and Utah. <laughs> Didn't know Wisconsin had trout streams. Didn't know Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York. And, like, back home, like, there's one, maybe two, maybe two trout streams, like, max. So it was, like, coming over here, it was, like, there's so many. You could go anywhere, and they're oh, there. Oh, yeah. And there's so many. Whether they're stalkers or a lot of them are just all natural, too. Oh, we get, I mean, the reproduction of our browns around here is pretty. It's kind of insane. Yeah. But, I mean, we fish rivers and you see people and they're like, there's fish in here? You're like, yeah. Yeah, I'll never. Yeah, every time. A lot of them. Fishing. Uh, Even when we went, people were looking at us like, what the hell are you doing here? (laughs) It's like, we're fishing. I'll I'll never forget these, these, there was this couple, they were like on a walk or whatever, and they saw me and they're like, what are you fishing trout just fish in here I said yeah what do you eat them I said no <laughs> no no <laughs> that's the that's the funniest part about being a, a, like urban fisheries especially like the Kalamazoo fishing for smallmouth in there oh man that's something that's insane too and a lot of people never experience because they just don't have it yeah smallmouth on the fly is that's probably my right behind carp that's probably the best time I have well I mean unless you're absolutely smashing brown trout which never happens yeah I have to say trout fishing through the ice though I see I've never I've never done that uh I've heard it's nuts I did it out west in Idaho in the reservoirs out there which is totally different from what we have around here I mean three foot of ice you're catching splakes Huge brookies. I caught a brookie out there that I will probably never touch around here. Um, oh, yeah. The fishing just out there is different. But this year, I mean, last year, we went up and fished the UP, fished Superior and stuff like that. And catching steelhead and coho through the ice. Coho are little maniacs. <laughs> it's like having sharks in the water. It is epic. They fight. They are aggressive as all hell. I remember fishing for them. And up there, everybody cuts big sight fishing holes so you fish for white fish in shallow water which is epic but those coho come in and i'll sit there jigging two pound using my gill rod little fisca jig and i'm like how the hell is this gonna work and i just get absolutely beaten up they're ripping drag and finally Mm -hmm. i get them in and i'm like shit i got another rod with a spoon so i start double fist in it right now <laughs> i'm dropping the spoon down and hit one on that i'm fighting it it pops off and i got my fisca jig down there still hit one on that catch that while the jigs the spoon's still down there and i get that other fish up and pops off right at the hole so i didn't have to worry about taking the hook out i dropped that fisca down with nothing on it and they still cream it yeah. it is nothing like i've ever seen before yeah those like fish of like the trout salmon species they absolutely, whatever they're eating, they're eating it because they hate it. That's what it seems like. Oh, yeah. They're it's just so mean. They're so mean. 
So kind of taking a new uh, toll here, kind of correlates with trout fishing. Growing up, did you mushroom hunt at all in the spring? No, I never did. I've always heard about I don't Honestly, I don't think I've ever... I don't think I've ever ate a morale. <laughs> cool. To be honest. I know that sounds like... That's that's pretty controversial to be like from Michigan and you don't... like. You don't. How do you number, never stumble upon one in the spring? Like whether you're turkey hunting, um, trout fishing? Yeah, I don't think I've ever even seen one, to be honest. But I've never been actively like... Damn. I've never been actively like, like it's never something I've I've ever like looked for. I think it's fun. I mean, it's another thing that just like will irritate the shit out of you because you'll be like driving and be like, oh, that looks good. I gotta go look. You get in there and it's like, how is there not any morels? <laughs> and you're just like, it makes no sense. But then you go out turkey hunting and just don't everywhere. even think about it, and all of a sudden you just look down and. Everywhere, patch of them. wherever you look, there's just a morale. Yeah, and they're sweet. I mean, I grew up doing it. It's fun, but it's kind of something I put on the back burner during turkey season. Turkey hunts, that's coming up. That'll be here before we know it. It's what January seventeenth right now. Pretty much once March hits, we got about a month to prepare. I've but it's quick, like how it's, everything it's, it's changes unre- in that like month, month and a half. Yeah. You go from not seeing them, and then everywhere you drive, they're in every field. Oh yeah. I mean, that's we an- have that's another thing. Turkey hunting's kicked my ass since I was twelve years old. I've never killed a turkey. I've killed them, but it kind of like I don't want to say it irritates me, but the amount of people you talk to that they're like. Turkey hunting's way too easy. That's why I don't do it. I'm like, because you went out that, once. That's what, that's what blows my mind. Well, it's they like, went out once, and it just, like, it can be, like, the easiest thing ever. Yeah. Like, they are the stupidest, smartest animals I've ever hunted. 100%. And I still hunt. As, like, you always hear people say how dumb turkeys are. Like, if a turkey looks up when it's raining, it'll drown. And it's like, yeah, but, like. Probably because they go blind, because that eyesight is they, immaculate. Yeah. That's what. Me and my dad have always talked about it. If a turkey could smell, they'd be impossible to kill. Oh, 100%. If they, could, if they could smell like a deer could smell, there would be millions of them. You couldn't kill them. It'd be no. impossible. I, I read somewhere there's, I think it's, there's an 18-degree angle behind their head that they can't see, and that's it. Yeah. That's so nuts. And, I mean, I feel like they can pick me out breathing. I try to slow my breathing down. I even squint my eyes because I feel like they look at you. I'm like, I've, you're I've, looking at me in the eyes, yeah, and I don't I like it. To, I used to hunt with this this older gentleman uh, from back home. His name was Larry Fogg. Soup. That dude kills turkeys. That dude is a turkey maniac. He was the nicest guy I've ever met. We goose hunted with him a lot, too. But that guy knew how to hunt turkeys. And uh, it was like one of the first times I was going out with him. He's like, no. Don't look him in the eye. And I, like, laughed at him. And he said, no, I'm serious. Don't look him in the eye. And then and we're sitting there, and here comes a bird. And then, you know, like, you look over, and you see the hen. And, like, you make eye contact with her. And then you hear the dreaded... And you're like, Shit. oh, game over. And then it's like, you gotta move spots. Like, yeah. they're, they're gone. They ain't coming back that day. Well, I'm a running gunner, man. I sit in the spot for no more than 30 minutes unless I mean first sit of the day is always the longest because yeah. obviously I go into it thinking it's going to be the best spot <laughs> but damn 
their eyesight, immaculate. Their hearing, the fact that they will gobble at literally anything yeah. is just nuts. Yeah. Honker horn. <laughs> hear a crow, and they just get fired up. Carl and it's Wilson. awesome. My favorite thing to do is when I'm driving down the road, if I see a, if I see a group of turkeys out in the field, I beep the horn. And oh, see, yeah. And see how many... How many necks I see stick out gobbling? <laughs> Just seeing their necks jiggle. <laughs> but it's awesome, man. Having something gobble at that's one of the 10, most, 15 yards. It it shakes your body. Oh, it yeah. gives you chills. Especially when there's a group of like four of them. Oh, and yeah. And they always all gobble at the same time. That's what that's what's so nuts. You see them like 10 feet away and all four of them just fire off at the same time. You're like, what just happened? Springtime turkey hunting presents some of the best times. Like... For, like, watching nature, it's awesome. Yeah. Like, between turkeys and just seeing what turkeys do in the spring, they're fighting and just how vocal they are. And a lot of places I hunt, I mean, you'll be sitting at a tree and all of a sudden you look up and all of a sudden a woody just pops right in the tree. You're like, yeah. thing was going mock speed. You're telling me it landed in that hole. on a branch. Yeah. That's nuts. And yeah. then just, I mean... See a bunch of that's what's, that's the coolest part about turkey hunting is like how vocal they are. That's I would even though I've never I've never got one, I would say turkey hunting is probably the most fun I have when I'm like out in the woods hunting. We're gonna have to change the turkey thing this year. Oh yeah, we might have to. I haven't shot one in two years, but I I've came close a couple times. I've came really close a couple times. Oh, but, I've came really close the last two years, but it's I take a lot of buddies out. And I, I mean, if I'm carrying a gun, it's probably because I'm hunting by myself or I'm hunting with, like, my dad and brother and we're all trying to get a bird. Yeah. But I cannot tell you how many times, if I would have had a shotgun taken out buddies, I could have shot so them. many. Yeah. Like, last year, I took out my buddy that's on the football team at Western. Great kid. And he's like, dude, I got this property down Sturgis. It's just littered with turkeys. I'm like, hell yeah, let's go hunt it, man. Let's <laughs> we, turkey. Ah, uh, we better go check that out. Yeah. We get down there and... I was just busier than all get out, and I mean, I always advocate scouting. That's what I live by. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the one time I didn't scout. We went in blind. Nice. Obviously, I scouted on X, but yeah. we get down there, and as soon as we get out of the truck, get set up, I shoot you not, we probably heard 15 gobbles and 15 different birds. Yeah. Like, I was just all fired up. And those birds gave us the slip every weekend. Like, we got as close as we could get. He could have killed a Jake, which I was, I'm all for first-timers killing Jakes. Oh, I'll shoot a Jake. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I remember on the drive down there, I was like, dude, are you, like, picky? Do you want to shoot a Tom or do you want to shoot a Jake? Like, what? He's like, he's got a beard. I'm fucking shooting it. All right, dude, let's get you a turkey. And we get down there in the first morning. We didn't see a single Jake. And I was like, I like this. Like, there's some mature Toms out here. Yeah. And it was our second sit. The first sit, I kind of messed up. We shouldn't have sat there. But knowing it, it kind of worked out. So the second sit, we sh- sat down. And within 15 minutes, we kind of, we couldn't really see the right corner of the field. 20 yards away. Woo-hoo. He was like, I was like, dude, don't move. Like, yeah. sit still. Yeah. And uh, turkey's always notorious for slipping behind you. Oh, every, that's what's so hard about They're like, they're so unpredictable. Like, oh, you yeah. Think you, you think you've got them on a pattern? You don't. 
Well, I was like, okay, they're going to walk right down the tree line. Like, yeah, perfect. Good. They slip in. Yeah. And behind you. I mean, like I said, their eyesight's insane. But we had so much good cover in between where they're, I thought they were going to come from and where my buddy was sitting. I was like, dude, this is going to be sweet. Had my camera ready, filming, and they went silent. I was like, okay, that's cool. Like, they're just working their way in. And I was giving them, like, soft calling. And all of a sudden, I heard something like a little leaf snap behind me so I slowly turn and sure shit two just massive strutters strutting behind us I'm like fuck and he's kind of like focused over there and I was like trying to get his attention to where they wouldn't notice and I was like there there and all of a sudden he was like what I was like he's like I was like what do you mean like, they're behind us and he's like Really? <laughs> no, I'm totally fucking with you right now, dude. So, <laughs> this kid could not have moved any more than he did. It was like he did a barrel roll, basically. <laughs> he started to spin around. I was like, shit. Slow down. Yeah, I was like, and I was like, I was turned perfectly to where I could have shot him lefty, but I didn't have my gun. And yeah. after that, he saw that. And I'm kind of glad it happened because after that, I was like, Dude, that was pretty sweet, wasn't he? He was like, dude, that was the, that was the funnest thing I've ever done. I was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's sweet. It's so nuts. And then next set, like half an hour earlier or later, I tried to get in front of him, and some jakes came in. Like, perfect, just could have peeled one. He was like, nah, dude, I want a top. I was like, ah, I changed your mind in the morning, huh? So I was like, let's get you a top, man. But, yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, I'd say that's... That about does it for our first episode. Pretty damn good first episode. A lot of rambling. A lot talking, of rambling. Talk about a lot of Gives shit there. Gives everybody a little idea of what we're, what we're going to be talking about. We talked about turkey hunting, deer hunting, duck and goose hunting, fly fishing, bass fishing, carp fishing. Name it. We Morale, uh, morale mushroom hunting. Between the two of us, we cover quite a bit of stuff. We've got a wide array of, uh, wide array of stuff going on. And each I'm of us kind of have our own. I'm excited to see where this takes us. Dude's a hardcore fly fisherman. <laughs> I'm a diehard water fowler. <laughs> Real quick, though. Growing up, did you have a dog? Yep. I had a yellow lab. Her name was Maggie. Good hunt dog? No, she was gun shy. <laughs> Oof. Yep. Did you ever get to hunt with her? Was she gun shy before you guys ever hunted with her? Uh, we never really took her hunting. Because mm. most of the time, we never really needed dogs duck and goose hunting because we were always field hunting. You are the dogs in the field, man. Exactly. I kind of miss that. I mean, every once in a while, you like you lay into a group and you got a few cripples and you're like, you can send the dog. So There's more coming. Him. I'm like, I go get him. Bet you I'm going to run. Yeah. But you're pretty pumped to. Get your new pup Olive out in the woods. I'm stoked. Oh, yeah. I'm super excited. She's going to be good. It adds to it, man. We'll get her out. I'm pumped to get mine out. Heck yeah. Having my oldest dog, Dixie, for the last eight years, seeing what she's done, getting a new pup, seeing what she's going to do, it just, I mean, there's nothing like it. Yeah. So speaking of duck and goose hunting, our, I think our first guest on the show is going to be... Jimmy Childers. He, uh... He's the owner and operator of Goosebusters Outfitters out in Nebraska. Dude is class.
class act. Like, we always kill ducks and geese with them, but if I could just sit in a pit blind and talk with them all day, best thing ever. He's got some knowledge. We're super stoked to have him on. Um, Water follower by trade, but he is just a born cowboy. Like, yeah, that's He sweet. does some crazy shit. I'm super stoked to talk to him and have you guys listen to him because he's got some knowledge. It'll be awesome. But, so that's all the time we have for today. Uh, you got a little bit, you got to know us, what we do, how we do it, how we got into it, and why we love doing it. So check us out on Instagram. Uh, we've got the Great Lakes Experience. You can follow us there. Uh, we'll be posting updates on future guests and stuff like that. And then also follow our personal pages. Uh, my handle is 11 underscore hunter underscore 11 underscore Jordan underscore 11. Damn, dude, could you have a longer Instagram handle? I've had it for millennia. Same. After Duck Hunter A5, I changed mine. <laughs> so mine's Colin underscore Blaylock. Uh, give us a follow. Keep in tune with us. We plan on dropping on Fridays. So thanks for joining us, guys. Good luck in the field. Good luck in the water. Have fun. Be safe. We'll see you next time.